Did y'all hear that new intro, that music, that great vibe? Thank you, Derek Lewis. I'm going to play it one more time because I love it, and I want you guys to be sure that you hear it. So here it goes. joined us. Uh, I am really excited about the conversation we are poised to have tonight. Um, we have uh, some familiar faces and then we have some brand new faces um, that uh, we've not had the opportunity to speak for. I'm just editing something real quick to make sure that I can see comments when they come in. There we go. All right. So let's bring on our guest. Our first guest is Miss Erica Monique. Hey, Erica, how's it going, girl? It's going. How's it going with you? All right, all right, all right. And Pastor E. Hey, Pastor. What's up, Brother Shalom? How y'all doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Did you see that intro, Pastor? I've seen it twice, Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. You know, I'm excited about it. I'm excited it about it. It is pretty dope, though. It mm -hmm. is pretty dope. All right. So uh, today's conversation um, is a um, conversation that I've titled is, as a question, is the church in crisis? And the reason for that title is I, I hear a lot of conversation uh, about the current state of the church, what those most visible in the church are saying and doing. And, uh, and so those things have kind of a different impact, uh, Jones, than people like me or you uh, uh, who don't have as national of a forum. But unfortunately, we're all kind of packed into the same uh, box, if you will, based upon actions of others that we don't even know personally, having no have any contact with. And so there are kind of three areas I'd like to kind of take the conversation. The first one 
uh, I want to, uh, uh, I guess, jump into, and I really had it as third, but I saw a conversation on Facebook um, and uh, I want to jump into it. The conversation is about um, uh, Pastor Osteen in Houston having received 4.4 million in uh, PPP loans. Um, those loans that were uh, designed for small businesses to be able to um, get their uh, payroll, going that payroll protection plan, those small businesses to make sure that they could afford to. And so there's been this lot of conversation um, concerning how appropriate or inappropriate it is for an organization that pulls in millions upon millions of dollars to receive those kinds of funds. And so right off the bat, I wanna kind of hear your initial reaction to the idea that um, uh, Lakewood Church got millions of dollars in PPP loans. You, you are a pastor, but you also are a small business owner. You're an entrepreneur. So um, what are your initial thoughts about that? Well, I think my, my initial thought will come from a business owner's point of view. Okay. Um, keep in mind the way it is set up. Most people don't know the way it is set up. Uh, is designed for smaller businesses. It's designed for smaller churches. Um, when they have initially uh, created this, um, Lake, Lakewood was not in mind. It's not what they had in mind. And so being that twice now uh, we have applied for it and did not receive a dime um, <clears throat> either time it's it's somewhat frustrating I guess I would say to see that now keep in mind you have to also understand that you get letters phone calls emails everything regarding this loan because you are a small business owner and so um it's kind of frustrating that the first time we applied, they said the funds were gone. Right? When they had called me three days prior and walked me through the whole process. The second time we applied, we haven't heard anything from them. You know. Now on the on the flip side of it, it's almost uh it's just equally as frustrating, especially when you know that as a small church. Uh, mm -hmm. I know there are some guys, there's some pastors and churches that have not been as affected financially by this whole pandemic as mine has, right? But there's still a lot of pastors I know that their income, I'll speak to my church. I have lost literally 70% of the church's income. Wow. Right? And so um, it's hard when you have a church that's struggling when i know when you created that law when you created that bill you had my name on it but and then yet, you get the funds but i didn't get the funds but somebody else can manage to get four million dollars who doesn't need any of it when the main uh source of their income is online driven 
It's harder for me to to, to understand how they need four million dollars. If that makes sense. So that's my that's my opinion on it. My that's my point of view of it. Okay, and now a non-pastor point of view, Erica. What what are your thoughts when you hear me say that Lakewood Church, the largest church in the country, um, received four point four million dollars in PPP loans? Initially, what's how does that strike you? Well, first, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I, I'm I'm not surprised that, uh, in not just a church but an organization of that magnitude, would be able to get funds that are meant for small businesses. That's that's not surprising to me. It's 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 I expect that, and that's sad to, for me to have that uh, impression. But that's what that's my impression. I I feel like that was going to happen. Wow. Well, so I guess before I ask my next question, I want to address a question, uh, a comment that was made. Um, it says church church should not be a business. Um, would you agree with that, Erica? No, uh, I, only in the sense that um, you there is a portion of the church that um, that does re rely on. Um, I mean, you have people that, that clean the church. You have other things that keeps the church operational. And in that sense, it is a business, um, you know, to keep the lights on. That's a business. Uh, not all of, all of those funds are received through, um, through uh, donations. Um, but, you know, it's, I, it's, I've actually, I've gone back and forth with that over the years. But uh, where I stand today is a portion of, of, the, ch of the church function is it is a business because you need it to in order to function in this in this world I, that's just the way it is it's we're not in a tent you know on in some you know some backwoods or whatever you know you don't need lights you don't need power you don't need this all of these things require money um you know to have people to you know make sure that the church church is operational that the doors are open um you know that's a business. And I, I think that, you know, some of it, we need to look at it and treat it as such. Jones, uh, how does it strike you when you hear somebody say church should not be a business? Uh, well, mm, well, you know, when you invited me. <laughs> look, hey, hey, you don't need no training wheels here, man. Okay. You just so, need I don't mind, I don't mind the church. I don't mind someone saying the church is not a business because um, they, they probably mean that in theory. So I'm not going to jump on them for saying that. I think they meant it in theory. The frustrating part about that 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 statement is uh, people often say church is not a business until um, it comes to them being in need. Then they want it to operate like a business. Mm -hmm. And wow. so um, uh, unfortunately, the only picture of the church is give 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 nobody has a picture of the church that says receive 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 and so if you think about it uh normally when a person needs the church right uh, i mean when a, when, a, when a person comes to the church whatever whatever however you want to word it but it's there's always from a position of need 
if we don't mind helping, but where do you where do you want us to get it from? Mm. We don't mind helping. You know, when I go to my church today, and I got a small church, when I go to my church and I open up the mail, and and I'm welcome to a thousand dollar electric bill. You know what I mean? A three hundred dollar gas bill. We ain't using no gas. You know, and so I think. I think, matter of fact, I think I've gotten more pissed off in the last 12 minutes because I think I think that's unfortunate for real because because churches like myself now keep in mind, let me go back and say this when they created it they had churches like myself in mind you know what I mean? but I can't get a dime I can't get I, I, matter of fact, give me what Trump paid in taxes I take $750 you know what I mean? But then you have other churches getting $4 million. So the question would be, what do you want to do with $4 million? If you got it, why don't you give me some? Because I'm the one that need it. You know? So I just, it's frustrating to me, right? The most important thing is when people like people like non-pastors, people like everyday people look at that. You have to be careful because they're going to broad brush every church. Sure, sure. And so they're gonna they're gonna allow that situation to define every church. And so that's that's what's frustrating for me. Okay, so Bishop Foreman, let me catch you up. We have, uh, and thank you so much for uh, for sharing and and and, and uh, coming in with us. Hello, Bishop. Uh, hey, y'all. Hello, hello, hello. We, uh, we're talking about is the church in crisis and uh, right, bef right before the show uh, started, um, I read a thread that uh, is talking about Lakewood Church having received 4.4 million in PPP loans. Okay. And, um, and there's been a lot of discussion uh, in that thread about how awful that is, how terrible that is. Um, and, and so we've been kind of taking the pulse here of uh, our contributors today. Um, Pastor E said he's tried twice and, and have gotten none. Um, and uh, um, Erica said she is not surprised that larger organizations are able to take advantage of those types of benefits over smaller organizations. And so that's kind of where we uh, are so far. Um, and so I want to get your thought, what your initial thought, and I'm not asking you to condemn or uplift. I just want to know your initial thoughts about what happened. When I tell you that the headline reads, Joel Osteen, Lakewood Church receives 4.4 million of PPP loan. What are your thoughts concerning that? Good. Um, so first of all, let me greet everybody. Um, good to see everybody. So here's the deal. Um, PPP is this uh, pay, pay, paycheck protection program. The amount you got is based off of a percentage of what you spend. So if you got 4.4 million, that means your payroll um, I think you got like a, um, uh, I forget what the calculation was. You got a percentage of your payroll. So if you got that much, that means you're paying a lot of people. If memory serves me correct, I think he has a staff in excess of 300 and something people. Yeah, it's right so, around 200 people. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, when people say, oh, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. Yes, 
and, so, and, and I'm at the end of the day, um, and I see a lot of the different comments saying they don't deserve in this. Guys, ministry costs money. Ministry costs money. The gospel is free to get it to people costs money. Pastor Jones, I heard you talk about Pastor E. Okay, come on, look. That's your, that's your uh, that's your street name. Come on, Pastor E. Um, <laughs> you gotta tap that head though, Pastor. Um, but but so here's the thing: ministry costs money. Um, there's staff, there's facilities, um, there's streaming, there's equipment, all these lights and all this stuff. Like I turn and said, uh, this stuff costs money, and this stuff costs money. This stuff costs money to do. Uh, and at the end of the day, the more overhead you have, the more expenses that you have. So it is disingenuous to say, well, he got $4.4 million. But let's be clear. There's other company. Again, he employs 300 people. How many people does he feed? How many people there's benefits? So um, it, they didn't take advantage of anything. You literally got a percentage of what your payroll and your overhead was. So now I see that comment said, let's help the smaller ones. Well, let, let's let's go ahead and deal with that from a real tactical standpoint, because it's easy to attack somebody without, when you don't know the background. And I encourage every person who looks at articles like that and looks at things like that and immediately begins shooting things, wait until you're on the stage because the same shots that you gave are going to be the same shots you have to take. It's very dangerous to start criticizing people who are doing things when you don't really know, right? I used to look at certain uh, people and I would criticize because from my seat, it looked like it needed to be something. And then when I was sitting in that seat, I said, oh my God, Father, forgive me for ever putting my mouth on somebody I didn't understand. Right. Um, you know, just like a single mom, I say, Bishop, it's hard out there. And a, and a man may say, no, it's not. You just need to, you know, tough it up and do this and this. But unless you've sat in that seat, that's very it's a very dangerous thing to start throwing rocks that, with that. But from a real practical standpoint, um, I don't know all the details of it, but I do know that when it comes to I know, Pastor Jones, you mentioned it. And I saw the comment. Well, let's help this, you know, different size churches and different size ministries. At the end of the day, uh, a lot of that has to do with the banks that you deal with. Um, you, you know, we've got banking relationships. I can only speak to me and Harvest. We've got banking relationships. But part of that is because the, the way Harvest runs our business is those banking relationships that we have, we made sure. And so I I insisted. And let, let this be a lesson for every entrepreneur, Bishop, and then I'll be quiet. I don't want to hog the time. Um, but uh, let this be a lesson for every entrepreneur. When you are a boss and a chief, you need to deal with chiefs. So when we deal with our bankers, I don't deal with a banker. I don't deal with a teller. I deal, <clears throat> I deal with a, uh, I deal with, and I, I'm glad you said they're going to put it back up there. Put it back up. Let me deal with that. Uh, so uh, I, I deal with the chief. I deal with the executives. Uh, and then they said, then pay taxes. Churches do pay taxes indirectly. You pay income taxes. You, you pay payroll taxes. You pay FICA, Social Security, your business. The, the church is generating local sales tax, which is actually what pays for local services. What the church does not pay is federal income tax on any profits that it makes. But you know who else does it? Amazon. You know who else does it? GE. So let me just help because there needed to be some help there uh, as it relates to that. So the argument's not washed. It's important that we have a full 360 um, so that we're so that we're moving we're moving in that. So it's a it's a it's a it's a short-sighted argument to say something's wrong with the feed as many people as he feeds, do what he does, and then you know there's that. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're churches and businesses were banking. They did a 
piss poor job. Excuse me, but this is Mr. Bright, sir, so he's okay with me saying that. <laughs> I'm okay with you saying that. <laughs> they did a piss poor job. Who, who you need to be mad at is the banks. The banks did this. And you want to know why? The banks make more money for bigger loan sizes. The bankers are who you need to be mad at, not the churches, not the businesses, the banks. So, 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 so Pastor Osteen simply took advantage of an opportunity available to everybody and the banks decided who they would rather give the money to. Sure, because the banks are paid short lesson for everybody in banking. When it comes to those government loans, you are paid uh, in what's called a BPS system, basis points, which means the bigger the loan. So one basis point on a $4 million loan, that is, uh, what is it? That's for 40 grand, all right? One percentage point, right? On a $10,000 loan, because PPP was based on the size of somebody's revenue and the size of their payroll, $10,000 loan, you're getting less money. So the banks are who did that. That's who you got to be mad at. Just like the last time the economy crashed, the banks did that. The banks did that. Let's see, we're not going to pretend that privilege and favor wasn't a factor in some of these applications, helping big business over small business as it was intended. I, 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 I He just, he just literally said that, right? And I, I get the premise of his point, right? I get that. But my biggest problem with it is this. Um, again, let me go back to what I said. When they, when they originated this, right, it was to keep uh, uh, smaller churches from crashing, right? And so my biggest frustration is to be on the phone with somebody for 45 minutes to walk me through the whole process, <laughs> right? They called me, they emailed me, they went old school, they sent me a letter, <laughs> right? And then when we finally get all done, then they say, oh, there's no, there's no more funds available, right? The second time, no response. So my, my, my biggest frustration again is how and I guess it goes back to, to what this Foreman says, is how they know how to pick who they will give to. Right. Quite and frankly. that's the banks. And that's the banks. And, and I think that's what's important. Here's what the enemy loves to do. to get Because look, we've spent, I don't know how much time I've spent on it. We spent 20 minutes talking about another church who's doing God's work. Right? Uh, regardless whether you like them, don't. That's not really the point. Is this is how the enemy uses misinformation to divide us? That's your banker's problem. And Pastor, when we get well, off, I think you, you let me know. I'm gonna get you in touch with a bank that can get you. I just Googled it, and there's still 140 billion dollars left to PPP. So at the end of the day, we got to get you talking to the right banks. That's who we got to get you talking to. And for yeah, everybody and else, keep watching, in mind, we got to get the right banks. Let's, let's frame it. Bishop never asked about Joel Osteen. Right. He asked about how we feel sure. about them getting the head, whatever right. the amount was. Right. right. And so my issue is, and, and, I, and keep in mind, I'm doubly frustrated. So this is not just single frustration. <laughs> you know, I'm a business owner and a pastor. Right. And so it frustrates me again. It frustrates me to know that and then also know that we got nothing, <laughs> you know? And so that's, that's how the whole question was framed. 
Yeah. So I, I'm and, and and so I'm glad we we kind of set the framework. So and and I, I think Bishop Foreman said exactly how I kind of want to move the conversation forward. And it's, it's kind of what I said at the very beginning. What happens when you see high profile businesses slash churches and all of that happens? It trickles down to perceptions that people have. And I love what you said, Bishop. It is about making sure that the perception is correct because it's not, because I think it would be wrong for us to read into the fact that, uh, or read into that statement to say, uh, Joel Osteen did something wrong. He simply accessed something that was available to him. And to your point, it was the bank's decision of who they decided to give the loans to. And I'm thank you for uh, saying you're going to help pass the eat, find him. Yeah. And, and Bishop, and anybody else, because it's about having getting to the right people to get the right information, get the right stuff done. So any of your viewers who need that, they can um, they can um, they can go to the Bishop Foreman Instagram, shoot a DM. I'll get that off to my assistant and we'll get them in touch with some bankers that 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 can get them what they need because there's still money out there. Um, is the facts. These banks, and I'm going to be honest, even banks you've done business with for years, many of them got thrown into a system. They didn't know what they were doing. So what did they do? How can I make the most money the fastest? And that's what banks do. They've been doing it and that's what they do. I, I, I remember uh, uh, trying to get a loan for uh, uh, from the bank where we had our account right. and they wouldn't even give us a loan. Right. So you know who no longer has a bank account there? We don't. Right. I don't bank with folks that don't reciprocate business with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because in the words of Bishop Foreman, I'm not going to pay and beg. I don't pay and beg. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing both of them together. <laughs> I'm not doing one at all, but I'm certainly not doing both of them together. But you're certainly not doing both. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's move on. We, we spent enough time there. So is the church in crisis? And, and it started off with these kind of things, uh, like I said, these perceptions of things or my C, because I wanted to make sure that I alliterated every point uh, uh, of the conclusion. Are we in crisis because of the conclusions people make about all of us based on what they read about some of us? And and I think that uh, best well said is this, is that uh, in terms of uh, conclusions, we cannot help only inform you are not it's not fair to make a general conclusion based upon what you have seen from somebody else, because we all are not the same. Us three on the phone here in terms of pastors are not the same. We don't do the same thing. We don't uh, uh, um, run the same way. We are individuals that we have to follow the lead that we have. So uh, is the church in crisis because of conclusions possibly because there's so much misinformation uh, out there. Let me take this one more on this vein and then I'm moving on. White privilege knows their privilege, but still takes advantage. Mega church know their privilege, but still take advantage. Let, I, I, I'm gonna have to say for the most part, um, uh, uh, white privilege is what it is. I mean, it just is what it is. You're right. They, they do. They've always had the connections. We are trying to build the connections. We are having to build. And I'm gonna tell you, it starts with not being treated differently than anybody else. Again, that concept of not 
You need to not do business with people who are not going to respect who you are and what you do. If no. they don't like what you do, don't fool with it. Right. And, and Bishop, if I, if I could just throw this in here, I, I, what the comment just said is so true. And a lot of where you're seeing the disparities in everything going on with the pandemic are revealing what's always been clear, always been there. Because here's the truth. Part of the reason I was delayed, we were having an, we're having an insulate, we're having an upgrade of some systems done. And, and I made a comment to one of my staffers. I said, you know, it's amazing to me that sometimes when we deal with uh, some white male vendors, they think they're doing me a favor when I am paying for a service. So I said, you help him to understand, because I got to get to the studio to get this show for Bishop Bright. You help him to understand, you are not doing me a favor. I am paying for a service and you will give me what I want or you are terminated. Um, and so at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of that that has to happen. But I, I think to, to, to where do we work in an individual take steps tonight uh, is recognizing, listen, um, I, my, uh, with the resources I have, they, they are to, uh, where I give them, where I place them, they're to provide a service for me. And I expect people to produce. And if you don't, then we're moving. We had a bank that we used that had a word that has become a dirty word, evangelical. And that word's a dirty word to me now. because of <laughs> That's uh, what I'm going to talk to Erica about. Keep oh, yes. Yeah. That's a dirty word to me now. Um, and so the service was poor, the experience was poor. And I said, this is unacceptable. You know what we did? I said, I'm not going to fight with you and beg you to treat me right. I said, move all of that over to here. End of discussion. We're done with you. That's what we did. And so I think every person, black, white, tall, short, Hispanic, Latino, if you are not being given good service where you're at, you do not beg anybody to do anything for you. That's a slave mentality. No. And I got the dollars in my goal. My goal, the golden rule is he who has the gold makes the rules. So mm. live by this rule or you can go find you somebody else to deal with. But I'm not going to pay and beg. So don't get me started on that. I've been got up and good. <laughs> I apologize, Pastor. Uh, Pastor Erica, I apologize. Well, I'm, right. I'm not a pastor. Oh, okay. okay. You ain't. You ain't. <laughs> I'm not you a pastor. Ain't to apologize to me. <laughs> they, they, they ain't got to apologize to me. I feel you. I'm just saying. All right. So I, that's kind of where I um I, I want to go. Uh, is the church in crisis? And I couldn't come up with a C with this, but is the church in crisis because of being identified, or maybe I should use the C connected with the word evangelical? That word is dirty now to me. Erica, why is it dirty? <laughs> why is it dirty? Uh, <laughs> well, um, I you, because I, they, to me, this is my opinion that. Um, a lot of people are making, they are making, let's see, the nationalism, their identity instead of Christ, their identity. So they're not, they're not performing any of the tenets that we learn as Christians. They are just using that as a, um, uh, they're using that as a, uh, that's their, um, what do you call it when you're in school? You have a, um, you know, not a logo, but you have a, what do you mascot. have like a, a mascot? It's almost like that. They're not. They're not walking. Um, this is just my opinion. What I what I have uh, witnessed and what I have gone through, um, and trying to uh, be fed in a place, and they are not really. Um, that's not the goal. The goal is to live up to this this nationalist type of ideology, and I don't fit in that. 
And a lot of people that look at like me don't fit in that. Um, and all, all the people that I have come across and I've dealt with, they have that E on their, you know, on the back of their jackets. And I, I can't put that on my jacket. I, I won't do that. Erica, share the story about your experience with the church. Yeah. So I was attending or had been attending the church um, in the greater Austin Metroplex. And uh, I had been going there for years, uh, maybe four or five years. And along the way, I started to realize that um, I was starving there and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I started to really pay attention to uh, the social unrest that was going, that was happening. And I would go to church because I, you know, I was feeling frustrated. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to know how do I deal with this in a, in a, in a Christian, with a Christian mindset, how do I deal with this? And none of those, uh, none of those issues that we were seeing happening on the street were being addressed in the church. And so I would go, I would go, I would go. And none of those things were brought up. We have all these killings and none of that was brought up. And so I eventually stopped going and I grew to have um, animosity towards that church and towards that pastor. And um, I thought about it. I prayed about it and I said, you know, this is not right. I need to speak with the pastor. So I, I asked for a meeting. Uh, we met in his office and I said, um, I just need to let you know that I, I can no longer attend the church and this is why. And I said, and I also wanna apologize because I was holding animosity towards you and the church. And this is what I told him. I said, these things, I, I, I need to be at a place where these things are being at least spoken about, at least addressed. And that's not what's happening in this church. And I understand that may not be your uh, your ministry. I understand that, but I, I can't stay here. And so he said, okay, well, I'll give you two churches in the area that deal with social issues. One is headed by a black pastor and one is headed by a white pastor. And the white pastor, to be honest with you, is more in touch with the community and what's going on with these social issues. And I said, okay, um, I left and I, I still felt, I, I didn't feel like we had, we were in a good place, um, <clears throat> our conversation. And so about five years, four or five years passed. And now we're in current, this happened like maybe four months ago, I was talking to a friend and I said, you know what? Um, I had this thing happen to me and, you know, I still didn't feel good about it after I left. And, you know, I just, I, I don't, I really don't understand. And she goes, well, Erica's because he didn't recognize what you were saying. He didn't even, he didn't even hear you. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, I didn't feel like he heard what I had to say. And then when I dissected it even more, it was like, you know, th there are issues that the church addresses but never the issues that I have or that I see in my community. And I'm part of the church. So why, why can't we address some of those issues? And I had to just, I, I had to depart from that. I, I, and I haven't been back to that type of church since. And with the current state of where our church is, in my opinion, um, I can't go 
back to that kind of church. And that church is definitely identified as an E type of church. Definitely. You didn't even finish the word. You didn't even say evangelical. You just said that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, we know what it is. We know. <laughs> so don't, yeah. does the church have an obligation to address social issues? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think the biggest problem is um and I don't know if anybody agrees with me, but hey, that's how I feel. I think the biggest problem in the church is um we've gotten away from being word churches. And we're starting to be comfortable churches. And I think when there's true word, there's true conviction, right? And then as it relates to Except for some people, let me say that. Because some people mix their evangelical spirit with the word and stress the word to make them seem right. So, um, but I think we have an obligation. Let me tell you what I used to be. I used to be the pastor who didn't mix politics with the church, right? Mainly because I had non-black members, right? So I always wanted to be that you know, you didn't want to offend your non-black members. I don't want to offend the, the non-black members, right? Until I got to a point. Uh, now, keep in mind, I want any non-black person to understand that I'm not coming for you because when racism started, you wasn't even born, right? And so uh, it's not until the everything started to be revealed the last four years, let me say that, not revealed but made okay, and then some people are just more comfortable with it now. And so I think... Uh, I think now I'm more, when I start seeing it, right, I have a duty to my non-white members to make sure they understand how I feel as a black pastor. And so I don't run from it anymore. Somebody inboxed me the other day, one of my good friends, they're white, they're Christians. And anytime I share anything about racism, Trump, or anything else, right, he inboxed me and told me that I was part of the problem. The more mm. I share it, the more I engage in it, right? And I'm 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 stirring the pot, right? And I wow. said, no, that's what y'all want me to do. And stop reminding me I'm a pastor just because you voted for Trump, right? I said, I told him, you what you want me to do is like they told LeBron James, you want me to shut up and preach, right? Mm. Until preaching uh, till I have to preach about against racism. You know, so I don't be quiet anymore. I don't shut up anymore, right? And then for a second, mostly, right, I want everybody to know out there that every pastor is not a racist, right? Every pastor, just because I, I don't, I'm against racism. I'm not against white people, <laughs> you know? I don't want oh, to be I judged like by the color of my skin. Huh? I like I like the distinction. I'm not against I'm against racism. I'm not against white people. Yeah, I'm not against I'm not white people. I'm not against racism. So anyway, I think we do have Maybe an obligation. I'll come back to your question we do have an obligation question. to uh, address it. Bishop Foreman, how do you balance uh the significant multicultural footprint that your church has in terms of dealing with um these social issues? Uh, because uh, your church, in terms of um, kind of, as I said, the multicultural footprint of, of 
has more of it than I've seen in a lot of other black led churches. You have um, a large footprint of, of multiculturalism. So how do you balance social justice issues with that kind of footprint? Great point. I think balance is the wrong goal. Truth is. So I don't attempt to balance. What I attempted, what I do is truth. I think um, every every person, if you just look at what Jesus did, Jesus addressed issues of the day. Um, he addressed what was going on with issues of the day. Now, that being said, the way people do that is going to be different. So for me, um, my assignment, because I said, God, what do you want me to do in this? My assignment, I would address the issue with truth. But then my assignment was to influence the influencers. So was I out marching and doing that? No, that wasn't my assignment. Instead, I got on the phone. And I got a hold of all the the uh, legislatures here and uh, legislators here, um, particularly those we have access and deal with. And I said, we need uh, change and I need it today. And so I need to know what we're going to do. So we started that process. So Colorado, as a result of one phone call, Colorado was the first state to pass comprehensive. It's called the Law Enforcement Integrity and Accountability Act um, under that new law. The, the AG just decertified six officers that lied. They can no mm. longer do that because they lied. They lied on a report, now they gone. Good. Um, but that law's got so many other things in it. Um, it forced, um, um, the well, prior, just slightly prior to that, it forced uh, Jared Polis, the governor, his hand to investigate the um, the gentleman in Aurora, the young man, uh, and his name, I apologize, it just, it just, I had it right there and it escaped me. Uh, uh, Elijah McClain. Uh, that young man to, to reinvestigate that. So for me, my assignment was not to uh, have a rally every Sunday. I addressed it and I addressed it directly. Uh, I realized I have Republicans. I have Democrats. I'm an independent, full disclosure. I have whites, blacks, Hispanics. I got people who, who there are people who believed in Donald Trump. Now, I said what I said. And if you didn't like it, then you should go find your pastor you can respect. In the discussion, in the discussion, in the discussion, because nobody will hold my voice hostage. That's just me. So I addressed it. Um, but did we have a, a, a civil rights meeting every Sunday? No, but I addressed it. And I said, this is what we're going to do. We got the law changed. That's the first step. We regularly meet with the police chiefs and the individuals, and I hold them accountable. I have a video recording of me to, of the police chief. There was a black family that was laid out uh, here, made national news at a Target. Kids, young kids, we did a, not only did we do a press conference, we summoned that police chief and we said, uh, we summoned her to a meeting. And I told the city manager, because Aurora has a city manager government, the mayor didn't run anything. I told him, if you are not on this meeting, I want you to know I have the time, energy, and resources to make sure you don't sit in this seat anymore. So I said, you make this meeting. And because the first they came, I said, Bishop, he said he can't make it. I said, well, you tell him this. And I bet you that man was on that meeting that next day. I think we have to take this approach uh, when it comes to these issues. And that was for me. For somebody, their assignment may be out to be picketing and marching and doing that. That wasn't my assignment. My assignment was to tell these paid elected officials, you work for us. This is not a monarchy. So the, the biblical rules of honor don't apply here. This is because we don't have kings. Got it? We elected you. That means you're my employee. So when I call my employees to the carpet, doggone it, you better show up and you better produce. And if you don't, we will ensure that you get out of there. The senator, and the last thing I'll throw in this, Bishop, the senator, John Hickenlooper, uh, who uh, I happen to like because he was 
uh, a great uh, he had, he was he was very he worked had a good working relationship. Um, that senator, um, you know, you had another guy who happened to be a Republican. He was a Donald Trump Republican. I said, listen, I don't understand how you people do what you do, but I don't judge you. I just don't do that. Ain't me. I don't support that man. And that's just not me. I don't care how many angels from Africa you summoned. That is a mess. Messy. Point blank, bottom line. You know I'm petty. Point blank, bottom line. I'm petty and I got a degree in it. It's right there. I said, I, that's not my thing. And so that senator, he called me. We prayed for him the week before. I, he said, Bishop, what's the word? I gave him the word. We were texting earlier today. So for me, my job was to influence the influencers. But yes, we should. But I don't think we should make everybody accountable to do it and address it the same way. The same way. Okay. All right. Great. Great. So now we've talked about how you're connected with with these titles. It's the church. Um, I won't even. I won't even go uh, to this. Christmas is the church in crisis because of how we deal with Christmas. Bishop, I'm, a, I'm sorry, Jones, I wanna start with you. What do you think about churches pushing, celebrating, encouraging Christmas? When we know Christmas ain't Jesus' birthday. <laughs> I just had this discussion <laughs> the other night. First of all, let me, in full disclosure, right? I don't argue. I don't have arguments that I already know in in nowhere, right? I just don't do it. My okay. vision is simple. I don't be like our now. Bishop is saying the same thing that I'm about to say, but he'll make it sound better. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it like I'm gonna say it. But it's just it's a day. It's I, I've never said ever ever said that Jesus was born on this day. I've always said this day we celebrate Jesus' birthday, right? And the reason why we're, we we don't know, right, because we don't have the calendar day for it. But it's not it's no it's no big old thing. It's not like I don't. I think people make a big deal out of it. Those are people that like to find an argument, like to find a debate, right? I just had a conversation with one of my two of my members the other night. It's simply just a day that we celebrate his birthday. One thing I do know is that he was born. <laughs> I do know that. And so since I know he was born, we're going to uh, celebrate it. Guess what? I don't know who came up with December 25th. I don't care. Right? If you got to make that argument, you got to also follow it up and say, I've refused every Christmas gift anybody has attempted to give me in my entire life. <laughs> and so you can say that. It's just not It's not an argument. I don't think we're in crisis uh, for a bishop. I don't think it's a legitimate argument. Uh, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't think it's an argument uh, that has substance. I just, three things I don't do, right? I don't howl at the moon. I don't take cars. And I don't argue about something that doesn't make any sense. I just don't do it. You don't howl at the moon. You don't do what? I don't chase cars. Chase cars. Okay. <laughs> so you're not no dog. You're not no wolf. You're not no animal. And I'm not, and I'm not going to argue about something that I know. At the end of the day, this whole conversation is about to go nowhere. <laughs> so I, like, I don't do it. So here's my last question, and because we have about, about, I'm going to say ten minutes. Because before we leave, I'm playing my 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 intro as my outro one more time, just in case some folks didn't get to see it. It's beautiful. So I'm going to do it one more time. So we got just a few more minutes. Are we in crisis because of? Content, and here's what I mean. 
you know, I'm trying, I'm struggling trying to do these alliterations today, Bishop. But <laughs> the information age, people now have the ability to kind of access and research almost everything. Um, is it a minefield for churches and pastors to propagate propagate certain ideas uh, when there's so much information that's out there where people can instantly kind of fact check you? Is that for me, Bishop? Yes. Uh-huh. You know, it's so funny. I'm looking at you, but my camera's there, so you can't see that I'm looking at your picture. So that was my bad. This is for Bishop. For <laughs> Thank you, sir. The question is, should should people propagate information that's not factual, knowing that you can be fact-checked? I'm, the question is more, how careful should churches be about what they say because it's easily verifiable? Oh, I, I think we should do that always, just from a matter of principle. I just think anything we do, we should do with excellence. If you're going to cook, be the best. Do it with excellence. If you're going to preach, be excellent. Know what you're talking about. Make sure what you're saying is sound. And so I just think you should do that, period. Not just because you're going to be fact-checked, but just because it's it's the right thing. Uh, it's the right thing to do. But what happens when you got pastors who, on the same issue, have opposing sides? How Great. how how are people supposed to know what's right? Great point. The Bereans are a great example. Um, they said, Paul, we appreciate everything you just said. We're going to go check that out. <laughs> All right. Paul, ooh, Paul, that sounds amazing. Now, show us that. I think this is the thing. Um, it's got to be shown uh, in Scripture. Uh, and, and, and I know even with that, you can get very deep into that. Because, for example, when I preach and teach, I teach from Hebrew. I teach from Greek. I go from a level of depth because God is not an American. The Bible isn't an English book. Uh, it's a, a Hebrew book. Um, so, so with that being said, um, you got some context things. You got some cultural things that are just very different. Like if, if you're if you're looking up biblical words with a Webster's dictionary, you're already lost because from Hebrew to English, you lose three words. So I got to start from that framework. So that, that's just me. So I know that can get kind of you know into the minutiae. But at the end of the day, for me, my belief is that. Um, you know, we appreciate everything you're saying, but let's just go fact check that in the word. And your opinion is, and I think that's part of the issue. Opinion is what we don't need. And that's what we got this election cycle. We got a lot of people with a whole lot of opinions. I believe this, the Lord showed me this, the Lord showed me this, this and that, this and that, this and that. All of the names, let's just be honest, of protecting white privilege and white supremacy, because that's really what drove it. Which tells us that, as Erica said, the E, um, the, the, I love it. Yeah, the 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 e. I saw a comment earlier saying it it wasn't a dirty word until this thing with Donald. The reality is no, it's been that way. It's just it been is. under the surface. And I think it we is. need to thank God. Everybody, listen to what I'm gonna say. I think mm-hmm. we need to thank God for what we have dealt with over the last four years because it mm-hmm. showed what we thought was healed and fixed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think promise we need you. to thank God that he revealed what's really mm-hmm. in the hearts of 75 plus million people. And I'm not against anybody that voted for him. I, I love God. No. I love love life. So it's not Bishop. that. It's the issue of if you're trying to protect white supremacy, you have a problem and you need some help. I, Bishop, I just told somebody two days ago I literally thank God for Donald Trump because if it had not been for him, 
I'd have not known you was a racist all these years. <laughs> Wouldn't have seen it. Wouldn't have seen it. Wouldn't have never known it. You know? Wouldn't have seen yeah, it. Yeah, I, I like that. Go ahead. Quinn says, Quinn says, I think we lose credibility when we don't accurately teach against a false teaching. Erica, in your experience, have you found that that's uh, been something that actually has happened in the churches you've been involved in? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, especially I told you, well, I told you a story a couple of days ago, um, and I don't know if, if this, this lady learned this in church, but um, we were sitting at a, at a dinner table. We were having a conversation. And I don't know what we were talking about. I don't remember, but she goes, well, yeah, God meant for there to be slaves. It was in the Bible. And I, I go, no, no, he didn't. That, no, no. And it just, it dawned on me that, you know, whether she was told from, you know, from her people or, or from the past or the, whoever, uh, or it, some of this stuff that we are dealing with is false teaching. And when we don't, uh, read and and you know and try to you know negate some of that bad teaching. Yeah, that hurts us. That's you know that puts us more into a crisis mode. You know what I mean? And that's what I was dealing with 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 that. And she was I called her my friend, but after that that conversation, I didn't I didn't know what to call her because <laughs> I, I mean no, I'm being very serious because she. Because she looked, I, really I felt that Erica. she looked at me. Yeah, she, she said, looked at me at a certain way. You know, she called yeah. She said, "We ain't friends anymore." Yeah. Hey, L. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I mean, I continue to, uh, you know, be friendly, but we weren't friends because anyone who, I, I just can't. I mean, just even on a common sense level, that just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even have to. So in my sense, you don't even have to read to know that that doesn't make sense. But the fact that she had that idea, and we were up in age, we were over 30 plus, and she lives in church, and she still had that thought process and said that it was in the Bible, you know? And I mean, it just, so yeah, and you know, I know that she read because we had Bible studies together, but did she comprehend? I don't know. Um, was that something that was taught to her and she just never broke out of that? I don't know. But, yeah, we need to be able to, um, you know, uh, teach against false teachings. Yes. All right. So we've been talking <clears throat> for 54 minutes now just about these various things that comes up. I, I want to say this as we kind of close. And that is the reality of all of the situations that we've talked about is, is you got to take some personal responsibility to, to read and not just uh, repeat information that you heard somebody else say, because it's real dangerous to hear a part of something, read a part of something, not have a full grasp of it, and then start perpetuating it with folks that you know. It's real dangerous because it creates a situation where you you start creating a narrative that's based upon bad, half, false, or totally wrong information, and it affects people. It affects people. The second thing that I want to say is the church is always going to be under attack because that's what the enemy wants. He wants us divided. But the reality is 
Those E's, beware of the E's. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. Because just because you say I'm a Christian, your actions speak louder than your words. Mm-hmm. And if you uphold and support foolery, don't call yourself a Christian because 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 Christ didn't act like that. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the last mm-hmm. thing. That's all. Very nice. That's all. Great. Great. So, so that was intentional. Yes. I, mean, so I, I was supposed to hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I so want you know. to tell everybody one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, yeah, thank you so much for uh, uh, This was a great conversation. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Pastor E. Thank you, Bishop Foreman. I will see you guys next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. God bless you. Peace. Peace out. Bye.